Hannah, good to talk to you this Monday. We're just going to have a little uh, look ahead, actually. I think there's been so much analysis of what did go on in the weekend at Albert Park when Posey came. For me, it's how on earth do we heal from this and move forward? So uh, I suppose within that we have to put it in context. But uh, your reaction on Saturday, you were so brave. You were in the midst of it. You're heavily pregnant. You were at one foot, at one point, literally barefoot and running up to Marama <laughs> Davidson, uh, a barefoot pregnant woman. And this public representative didn't even stop to talk to you or show you respect. Um, let's start there. What was that like, that interview? Uh, well, at that point, I had kind of um, withdrawn myself from the situation. I, I got out just before it kind of turned sour. Um, I, you know, could sense that it was going to get a little bit crazy. So I removed myself um, and we can talk more about that later if you want. But yeah, we will. I, so we'll talk about was, that briefly. I was mm. just in the car and um, just gathering myself, um, trying to process what had happened. And um, Rob was there with me. He had been uh, security uh, for me. So we were just kind of chilling, just waiting for um, our camera operator. And then lo and behold, you know, Marama Davidson was coming down the footpath, looking very um, happy with herself and her entourage. And the other MP, um, Ricardo Mendez, whatever his name is, the South American import. He was there with her as well, um, and then a few others. And they were laughing and joking, and um, I just said to Rob, oh, it's Madame Davidson, co-leader of the Green Party, and I said, I've got to go and have a chat to her. So then I just I had taken my shoes off because obviously being pregnant, my feet are swelling, and, you know, I was just trying to relax. But, yeah, so I just jumped out, um, turned the phone on and just yeah asked her a couple of questions so um if people have seen that footage it has gone viral now and she's basically not condemning the violence uh, that was perpetrated against Posey Parker and she's also saying that the violence around the world I, I can't remember if she said the world but she said she's basically blaming white men for the violence and she's calling them cis white men which um for anybody who doesn't know what cis is because it's taken me a long time to get my head around that word but it's an, basically a naturally born man naturally born male that is a cis man as opposed to a trans man who is obviously a woman dressing as a man or had a surgery or whatever yeah it's crazy it was just so disconcerting to see the person who is getting all of this money as a co-leader of a party in our parliament, behaving honestly to me like a, a young toddler. Just, just, she had no dignity. She had no, she had no grace. She had no intelligence. She was just this little bully boy kid enjoying having bullied someone up the road and kind of gloating about it. That was my impression. But it also upset me, Hannah, that she didn't even stop, give, you, give a woman who's heavily pregnant pregnant she didn't even have the grace to stop and talk to you and so you were backing while filming and asking questions I take it were you she's yeah I was quite fast yeah she, she was walking quite fast and I was literally walking backwards and um just trying to keep the camera in front of her none of them yeah wanted to stop they know who I am um I did introduce myself at the start because I have um had my years of involvement with the Green Party when I was at university um, and so they're well aware of yeah who I am. I used to run the um, Greens on campus at the Auckland University. I was the co-leader there. 
uh, at the same time, actually, that David Seymour was running the um, University Act Party. And, um, you know, their former former leader, oh, gosh, his name escapes me now. He's now, I think he's now James. the head of the... No, he's head of the Greenpeace, Greenpeace now. Oh, um, uh, Rod. Um, oh, no, not Rod, Rod Donald. It was after, it was after Rod Donald, um, no. the Australian guy. Sorry, I should really remember his name. Anyway, he had asked me to stand in, you know, local body elections, and um, I couldn't do it at the time. But, yeah, so they know um, who I am, and um, they were kind of laughing when they saw me, and... And yeah, it, people have said that, well, the feedback I've seen and the comments I've seen on social media is they, people actually think she's unhinged. And uh, I don't know if you've been following today, but Winston Peters has come out and said uh, she ought to resign. David Seymour's also calling for her resignation. And the last, uh, one of the last things I've heard is that now she's trying to say, because at about 10.40, uh, Destiny Church, Brian Tamaki and, and their, um, motorcycle group gang, I don't want to, well, I don't want to call them a gang, but you know, the riders, um, they came past Albert Park um, on their way down to their event at Altia Square. And apparently, um, Madame Davidson was somehow hit by one of these motorcycles, the handlebars. There was some sort of incident that happened anyway. And the mainstream media have made a massive deal out of it. Uh, and that she got medical attention. That was at about 10.40, and I've just gone and double-checked when I saw her, and it was at 12.25. So That's extraordinary, and they made a big story about her being in the hospital, and and they, they never attention. mentioned when I was in hospital. Isn't that ex isn't it extraordinary what mainstream media is doing? Honey, and you the, saw her after the accident. That was filmed She then. was happy. She was fine. She was walking very fast. She was excited and giddy. And it was like she'd been there with her teenage friends and they'd all had a great time. And now apparently she's saying that she made those comments uh, about cis white men, uh, which are racist comments, essentially. Um, she's saying that that was because of the motorcycle incident. She she wasn't thinking straight, apparently. That's what I've heard. I need to confirm that, but that's what's coming through. <laughs> Honestly, this is, this is that that's that's almost funny if it wasn't so dark that a, a member of parliament would think that we would fall for that lie. She was she was very happy. She was very present. She knew exactly what had gone on and she was really enjoying, she's quite sadistic actually is the word I'd use, enjoying the suffering that they'd, they'd let, launched up there. I think the other thing that upset me the most, Tana, was let's go back a little bit, was seeing some of the older people who were standing there with in supposedly a democratic country with signs. And I give credit here to Karina from Truth Bombs. She showed from behind an older man being uh, just yelled at, screamed at, abused, stared at, pushed, whistles blown, pots at, by his ears while he was holding a sign. And then his wife across the road was really hounded. They, they were like a salivating mob, weren't they? Really, it was so undignified. Absolutely. Um, the noise was deafening. Uh, it was just... It was almost like it was almost like the noise whipped everybody into a frenzy, and then um, yes, when I left the rotunda area um, and went to the police to tell them that it was going to start kicking off in there, an elderly woman came up to me as well, um, and she wanted to go on camera and she just was making sure that I was you know 
the right uh, kind of media. And she was very, very unimpressed. She just could not believe it. Um, she was shocked. And yeah, apparently there's a 70 year old woman who was punched in the face. Um, I am yet to see that footage, but um, hopefully that will uh, start circulating or someone can send it to you or us or whatever and we can get that out because that's terrible. I talked to Leo Tilsley this morning and she also said there was a 70 year old woman, 72 I think, on crutches who'd been spat at and abused and jeered for being on crutches. And I think the other disgusting one, as always, at least he's true to form, he's always consistent, that's that David Ferrier or Farrier or I can't ever remember his name. He's always unshaven and trying desperately to look cool, that guy. I thought he'd, he'd gone off to America, but some of his comments online were, um, you know, just just really enjoying, quite sadistic, enjoying the suffering of Posey Parker, enjoying the suffering of the crowd, um, that, that kind of tone. So, Hannah, let's go back to you as a pregnant woman in there. I mean, your bravery is extraordinary. I think your ability to capture moments as a journalist is second to none at the moment in the alternate media space. You're a really natural reporter. And oh, you, you you ask really good questions, but you were very careful going in there. You had, as you mentioned before, you had somebody to be your bodyguard, be your security, and you knew exactly if it went wrong, you would quietly move out of there because you were just you were just taking a sensible approach. You genuinely went along to hear what Posey had to say, didn't you? Yes, and I actually went there um, to make a speech as well um, because obviously. I think the week beforehand, Leah Panapa and her co-host on uh, Today FM had been making comments about um, the absurdity, essentially, of the way language is going um, and saying, you know, that we, we, why is everyone making this big thing now that we can only call pregnant woman pregnant people? There's no such thing as pregnant woman anyone. And they were just saying that's just ridiculous. And basically, you know, I'll die on this hill. I'm going to stand firm and I'm not going to be bullied essentially into this kind of language, um, uh, forced language. Um, but then, you know, so they said, uh, yeah, it's pregnant woman. And then the following week, they were forced to issue an apology. And then they now have to go through rainbow tick re-education. So, um, yeah, obviously, you know, the pressure got to them. But but I was going to bring is, that That up. alone is so shocking. Rainbow, rainbow, honestly, I think I'm in a Monty Python world. Rainbow tick re-education. I mean, it's so, it, we should be laughing this out of New Zealand. But it's also so tragic. That has echoes of the re-education policies that were in, um, you know, Stalin's Russia or in current China. It is, it is just foul, this kind of brainwashing, re-education thing. What is that about? Can you believe that, Hannah? Oh, um, well, funnily enough, I can actually believe it because they've been talking about this for years. This is something that's come very strongly uh, from, you know, the likes of Hillary Clinton and the Democrats over in the US. Um, and it's just this really extreme Marxist ideology where, you know, they basically any speech that they hate, they deem it hate speech. And then you're expected to go and get re-educated. I think they're trying to do the same to um, 
Jordan Peterson over in Canada, um, you know, and it's just, it's a way to shut people down. It's a way to shut the truth down. And, and that's all it is. And that's all I wanted to go uh, there for was to say my truth, which um, is also the truth, the objective truth that there are uh, two genders, male and female. And yes, there is a very small percentage of intersex uh, people who are born with, you know, male and female genitalia. So we can, we can kind of, that's, that's, that's a biological truth as well. Um, and I don't want my unborn child to be raised in a world where where there is no truth anymore because that's essentially where they're going. They're trying to blur the lines to such a degree that you cannot call anything anything anymore. Nothing's going to have a real name or a real definition. Um, and boys can be girls and girls can be boys. And you can have, you know, mutilate your body pre-puberty just in case you're going through a bit of anxiety or, you know, put yourself on hormone blockers and all these sorts of things. It's just absolutely horrendous and it needs to stop. And it actually um, is coming through the libraries as well with the drag queen story times. And that also came from America. Um, you know, and watching that five years ago, just an absolute horror. I didn't actually really think it would get to New Zealand, but here it is. And it's essentially child grooming. Um, and I would say that, and that was my point that I tried to make to Chanel Lal, who was, you know, the main trans activist that was kind of spearheading the, the counter protest, uh, that, you know, I, I would not condone female strippers um, presenting stories to children because it's just age inappropriate just like drag shows are age inappropriate for children they should be in, in bars and clubs for adults it's not something for children and it doesn't make me anti-drag or I'm not anti-trans um, it's just let's look at the age appropriateness of it and I will um, have to kind of mention the free speech union here as well because I think they got that wrong uh, when that they were actually trying to back out for the free speech of drag queens in libraries yeah, drag queens have free speech. Go and, you know, do a public event or, you know, an adult-based event about what you want to speak about. But but children's um, events and children's spaces need to be protected. And I don't think the, the kind of rules of free speech apply there that anybody can talk to kids about anything. It's just, yeah, it's age inappropriate. And it's really courageous of you to say that. And that's what, you know, the, the parallels of what they're doing to what's been done to them is quite extraordinary. So often we talk about how the abused person, if they don't do work on themselves, can grow up to be the abuser. And I think in this case, it's the same, just getting back to that reprogramming. You know, there were churches that used to take gay people and do sessions reprogramming their thinking. And the gays, you know, the, the, the gay community was horrified. I think this is 10 or 20 years ago. I remember reading about that, horrified that they would be treated like that. And yet here they are wanting to do it to those who don't believe in, in what the transsexual community now believe in. We can't reprogram each other. We can't force views into each other. We can't bang pots and suppress the voice of each other. So what do we do, Hannah? How do we get a measure of civilized human behavior back into New Zealand and a measure of intelligent discourse across this country again. What do we do to start to talk to one another in a different way? Is there a way through this? Because that's the world I want for your child. Intelligent, yeah. discussing, open, tolerant, listening to one another. Yeah, what's your view? 
Exactly. And I think that's the place to start. And I think that's the whole point of what um, Posey was trying to achieve, you know, having these outdoor events where at some events she might only be talking to two to five minutes and then she opens the floor for women uh, to come and speak and um, give their views. And apparently throughout this world tour she's been doing, a lot of the women have um, primarily been, you know, middle-aged women. And they are, of course, the women that... Um, you know, may have been part of second wave feminism. Um, and of course, what we're dealing with now is third third wave feminism and this kind of confusion, uh, essentially, about what, what makes up gender and what makes up sex. And that there is a difference, apparently, and, you know, there's over 100 genders now, and they are really teaching this gender ideology in schools and it's become fashionable and the corporations are on board and it's it's a real narrative and I remember also seeing on I think it was the front um, cover of the of Time magazine where they were holding up a child who from memory was a boy but he was presenting as a girl and I find it really disturbing um, as a former early childhood teacher uh, when, when this stuff was really starting to come in, that uh, in the early childhood sector, they were actually being, uh, the educators are being taught that they must accept children who think they are the opposite sex. And of course, as you know, Liz, and all the mothers and fathers out there will know, and, and, and everybody who knows what children are like, they love to play, they love to role play, they'll pretend to be a dog, they'll pretend to be, you know, mum, dad, baby, whatever. They're just exploring life uh, through imagination. So, and even figuring out like what gender is, that might not start until three or four years old. Um, and so they do this through role play, they'll, you know, reverse role play their genders and just enjoy the imagination so instead of the parents or the early childhood uh, teachers just appreciating that that's childhood play what early childhood centers are now doing from my experience they are encouraging that identity reversal or change or whatever in that child to become a manifest thing so not rather than not uh, rather than staying neutral about the whole thing and just you know saying well it's a phase or it's just play they will start actually encouraging it and um, two of my colleagues told me of a, of a story that at the center where they were working there was two brothers that were they're about um four and five years of age and they were at this preschool and they were being dressed up as girls by their mother and they had grown their hair out long and they had been given girls names and the whole of the early childhood center was expected to go along with the charade protect that those two children when they went to the toilet so that the other children wouldn't realize they were boys and then they were overheard in their play saying that boys that that when they grew up they would get their peepees chopped off so this is to me, really disturbing. Um, it's it's really creating mental illness and it's creating serious gender confusion that should not be existing at, in childhood. And even if it starts manifesting in the teenage years, we all know how awkward it is to be a teenager and how, you know, we all know even into our early adulthood and there's things we don't like about ourselves and, you know, we wish, we all wish we were, you know, um, 
you know, a Swedish blonde model type thing or, you know, whatever it, whatever it is, the cliche um, or, or a rugby player for the guys or I don't know, whatever it is. But hopefully your parents um, teach you to love the body that you're in and to love the person that you are and the gifts that you have naturally and that you learn to slowly over time accept yourself. But we've moved away from that and we are suggesting now to children and teenagers especially uh, there's drugs you can take to change that and you can actually have surgery to mutilate your body and the really sad thing is is that a lot of these transgender kids are actually they have they have regret you know in their in their early 20s and the suicide rate is high um and i think it's it's not from discrimination from society it's more their own inability to find that that real strong inner core and that sense of self that's really really powerful that's really poignant isn't it to think you know somebody who's been in a way groomed by perhaps a parent who has a certain ideology um could grow up to be an adult who really regrets all of that but it's too late everything's been chopped off and mangled and and repurposed in, in the body. I read an article by someone saying that my, a female who'd, um, who'd, who'd tried to turn herself into a male and now uh, realized she'd been conned and wanted to be able to have babies and knew she never would. And it was, it was deeply sad. It was just a deeply sad, mixed up human being. And most of us are mixed up to a certain level. That is the human journey. We are trying to find ourselves, but not this way. You talked about the Marxist the Marxist angle of this, and you were at university. I want you to explain a bit more from that perspective, Hannah, of what you understand this could be. What is behind all of this rapid, rampant confusion that's being unleashed on the New Zealand society? Because do you know when else we had a real wave of this kind of transgender model and when the transgender operations first began? It was in Berlin, just before World War II. It was oh, massive. Yes. It was massive. I was looking. I was. I was looking it up last night, and it's. It was. It was such a confused time before Hitler was able to take that country and launch it into war. Yeah. What do you think's behind it here in New Zealand in 2023? So what what it is? It's about cultural corruption, um, and there's a really good former KGB agent uh, who speaks about this. And he defected over to the US and he discusses the fact that there is an orchestrated agenda um, to corrupt the West. And part of that is to corrupt the minds of the people um, and, and the families. And everything that's sacred, everything that we hold dear is, is turned upside down. And that's essentially what we're living through now and it's we're in the in the final stages of that and yes we, you know I studied Marxist theory at university and gender ideology and identity politics is a huge part of that and they say that if you're in a minority group you are an oppressed group and you ought to be propped up and given a lot of benefits obviously and this is where they bring in the colonization arguments and that's especially becoming very prominent now as well you know that white men are the problem of everything and that if you're black if you're a woman 
but it's gone further than that now. It's not just a woman. It's if you're a trans woman, um, yeah, then you are oppressed and and we need to prop you up, essentially putting you on a pedestal. So the minority rights then start. Well, well, putting you on a pedestal or creating you as a victim, giving a lot of victim speech so that everyone should feel sorry for you, which creates a narcissism where you think only of yourself and your own suffering and nothing else matters. And it's absolutely the shortest road to, um, you know, self-pity is, is the shortest road to a miserable life. You know, I do yeah. think that thinking about others and being able to have empathy and be part of the wider picture and see that one has a role to play to contribute is a way out of misery. It is a way out. So it's pointing people into more and more misery, isn't it? Poor you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and the, mm. and the mob mentality, and that's exactly what we saw um, on, on Saturday, you know, and, and I was actually waiting there at... At, you know, just you know, around the rotunda in front of the um, the microphone, just just waiting to see Posey come in. She came in. She she was with her security. They had to force her through the mob, which was at that point still blocked uh, from the barricades around the rotunda. And I'd actually gone in there because it was a lot safer because there was there was not that many people. Sadly, there really were not that many people there to support her. She, um, her supporters were far outnumbered by by the counter protesters, so um, it, there was a lot of space in there, and and I could just move freely. And then um, Posey came in, and they you know they violently poured sauce all over her. And we're going to look at at that guy or that woman, whatever that person was, and who they are. Um, and then a couple of barricades came down, and at that point I went out because. I could feel the, the mob mentality starting to heat up. And I went to the police and I told them, look, it's it's going to start kicking off in there. You know, there's shenanigans going on. Um, and basically, you guys need to go in there and and, and do something. And they, they literally refused. And I waited about 15, 20 minutes um, and then just watch the mob just go out of control and this is this is what they want they want group think they they don't want you to be an individual it's 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 a war between the, the rights of the individual and the rights of of the group um whichever group you identify with and of course now it, it doesn't have to be based in science or it doesn't have to be based in fact it's just what you believe yourself to be um and you just see how how crazy and unhinged uh, the mob can become and that's exactly what happened and that's that makes the group much more controllable whereas if you've got individuals who know who they are um who have processed like you say their traumas and their own sense of victimhood for whatever reason um you know a group of individuals like that 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 stand in their families and stand in their communities is a lot more difficult to control uh, than a deranged mob it really was like like the Salem witch hunts. It re really was. They were just braying for, they were almost drooling, braying for blood. I saw some overhead shots of, of this large woman in blue, uh, man, woman, I don't know what, what, but she just, he, she just went in and, and just hit it posy for a while and then came back. I mean, just cowardly, cowardly people. That poor woman, I'm so ashamed of of New Zealand and what's happening overseas too from that. But we'll, we'll move to that in a moment. But yeah, the Marxist ideology seems also to need to be born, to be birthed in a very sick society, in the sickest of sick societies, not 
from war where everybody's broken after war and we could argue now we really are in a form of war in this country with some very dark forces trying to take us down but marxism seems to need that in order to come in and it will save you. We've got a great idea. We've got 15 minute cities and enormous high rises you can all live in and we'll control everything. But this will save you. That seems to me in a very facile way to be how Marxism tries to get its, its sorted into a society. Do you think that's fair or is it a bit too facile, Hannah? No, definitely. And that, that is, I think, now I might not be getting this quote, I might not be attributing it correctly, but I think Gramsci said that Marxism was the long march through the institutions. And it's exactly what you're talking about. It's it's a war by stealth. It's something you cannot really see. You cannot really identify. There's no uh, guns being used. Um, so it, it comes through the churches. And if you will um, look at many of the churches now, they are being um, highly liberalized and they are not... The conservative institutions that they used to be it's coming through the education system which we touched on earlier where let's, children let's are... call the churches up they're weak they a lot of them they seem to stand for nothing they crumble at the first hurdle at the first bully they just give way and go along with it we all saw it you know churches cutting people out during the lockdowns when people most needed love and support cutting people out during the coerced jabs you know that was shameful that was just shameful they yeah, stood so for nothing that's right. And and the irony is, is that Marxists, they hate religion. They're atheists. Yeah. They don't they don't believe in religion. But what they're doing is very parasitical because they will use any institution to push their ideology. And it was interesting to see Unite Union outside Albert Park because Unite, they are a socialist movement and they were around when I was at university. And they just, they just, they were a workers kind of union. And then they just pick up all the different identity ideologies and, and kind of push that. So they're, now I, I couldn't tell you offhand exactly where they get their funding from. But of course, many people will know like the George Soros types who fund activist groups, unionist groups all around the world to push these theories and these ideas out into the public. And it's just amazing to see how normalized it all is now. And this, this trans theory, you know, they call um, trans exclusionary radical feminists. Now that's a turf. That's a term I, I learned last year. I wasn't aware of it. But if you are basically just a feminist, a good old school feminist, um, which, you know, we can have a discussion about that too. But uh, if you are that now and, and you stand um, and you say a woman is a woman, a woman can can have um, a baby and you know biologically there are attributes that make a woman a woman um and it's not a man that calls himself a woman then you are considered a trans a radical exclusionary feminist so you're a turf so that's how they label people so they're constantly labeling people this is another tactic um that they do um and they will also call you Nazis. So they were calling obviously Posey Parker a Nazi and her supporters Nazis. They've obviously called us uh, white supremacists, Nazis, far right. And this is again how they try and smear anybody that wants to hold dear what is good and true. Um, they try and smear you with, with labels that people then become very afraid of actually, Liz. And, and it's been phenomenal to see 
the, the mainstream media in New Zealand, how they've all been singing from the same song sheet. And um, Rachel Smalley, actually, she's the only one so far that I've seen in mainstream questioning uh, this whole thing and being willing to stand up. And she's saying that it's very lonely in mainstream media right now. And she's kind of suggesting that it was, it's because the majority of, of the media um, journalists, they are actually very young. It's a, it's a different generation now, and they've just accepted this Marxist ideology as a given. And if you dare to criticise uh, anything about it, then they, they will orchestrate a, a, a t attack, basically, on your character ad hominem attacks that's how they'll take people down not they won't they won't debate facts and evidence it's absolutely brutal that that discussion that answer brings up so much kim baker wilson who was one of the few at the monica court when i was there last week he stayed behind and i saw him he's from radio new zealand i said i used to work with you tell the truth tell the truth and i felt when i left maybe there's one reporter out of all of those who were there who will and then i saw him interviewing the woman who you know, through the tomato sauce. And he, you know, there were no tough questions. Why would you do that? Why would you do that to someone you don't know who's been given no chance to even speak? Don't you stand for free speech? I mean, none of those questions were asked by Kim. And then on, on the other hand, we had uh, the other Kim, Kim Hill on Radio New Zealand, do a most toxic piece of 11 minute interview uh to really deride and um put down posy and not give her a chance to speak constantly tell her not to interrupt and then every single answer that posy gave was interrupted by kim people you know there were comments on some threads saying kim is just evil kim hill is evil but what's happened to that she's a she's older than me does she want this world for her child for her grandchild if she has one I, I, does she want this world she didn't even seem to have the ability to to question or ask Posey what her perspective was. It was just an interview to put her down. So, Hannah, I feel the mainstream media really beat up this story for a week to foment that violence that happened on Saturday, along with the weak politicians we have. Do you think there's blood on both their hands as well? Yeah, I definitely think it was very obvious. And what happened over in Melbourne uh, the week the weekend before uh, was very much setting the scene for what they were going to expect in New Zealand. And I will point out um, another very important uh, observation that people need to keep in mind that not only is the like the, the mainstream media is perpetuating these big lies they, they they are a massive part of what's going on now the other part that goes on is um because that's a psychological operation that that is mockingbird uh project mockingbird this is high level um psychological warfare that has been perpetrated on populations all around the world so they do, do a it quick the summary of, of project mockingbird for people who are not aware of that although a lot of us are now how would you well, sum that yeah, up a lot of a lot of that is the cia infiltrating um you know different organizations hollywood um media outlets and um liz you'll remember as well when we did that skyliner event we played that piece um, of the cia agent and also of um a a a German journalist blowing the whistle that essentially they were being fed stories from the CIA and, and, and other um, intelligence agencies to put out narratives and put out stories 
into the population uh, for political gain, essentially. So uh, it's the same in Hollywood. They write the scripts and um, they are essentially feeding the population uh, the information that they want them to implement. So I, I don't know how deep you want to go on this, but I will touch on it quickly, essentially, because th this is, for me personally, this is the crux of the issue. Human beings are special because we have an imagination. The whole schooling system is set up to reduce the imagination, to take your ability away to be a creative human being, to take your inspirations from God or your inspirations from source, however you see this amazing potential planet that we have, um, that you, you can embody that into your heart. You can use your, your brain and your logical mind to, to bring in to the 3D world with your hands your ideas. Um, now, they actually, are actually tap into your soul. There's a soul in the human being that, that evil cannot touch because there's a purity to us. Even those on Saturday will still have it inside. Some will have gone home and gone, that did not sit with me. Why was I part of that? Why did I give in to the mob? That's your soul talking. There is some part of us that's linked to the divine. It's so, so hard to put into words, isn't it, Hannah? Yeah, that, that's exactly it. And and that is what that is what this whole war is about. They do not want you to realize that you are a divine uh, creation here on earth that is is here to express love and show love and the way that we do that is through our own unique ways um we learn love by giving love and what they are doing through hollywood and through the media they are creating fear they are they're making everybody have anxiety of, of course with this covid operation that was rolled out a lot of people have mental health issues now the next generation doesn't know how to speak properly because of all the mask wearing uh, they are living in fear because of all the the bugs and the, you know sanitizing the hands and you know they've done a complete psychological operation through that and with the movies they are embedding if you look at a lot of hollywood movies and you start analyzing what's on netflix and and all the the mainstream um media that you're consuming you will find a lot of ai technology movies a lot of robot movies a lot of apocalypse movies a lot of end of times movies because they are wanting us as the humans to build this technocratic, bureaucratic state, which is what you were referencing earlier with the, the um, 5G cities, where we all live in these high-tech worlds, these high-tech apartments. You know, we have our food delivered to us. We, we are living in the metaverse. We are not thinking for ourselves. We don't have to do much anymore. We're going to have driverless cars. Um, everything's going to be automated, the, the internet of things, and we're going to be hooked up to this, this 5G smart grid. Now, that is where they want to take us, but they need the buy-in from everybody to actually to build it and create it. So this is this is where they're going. And I know it sounds far out, and I know it sounds, you know, um, a little bit sci-fi, but um, it really it's really where it's going. And if people just need to go back and read Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, because there will be a separation of, those who are naturalized, those who want to stay the natural human beings. And then this is where the trans agenda is going. Then there'll be the other ones who are transhuman. So this, this agenda that we're seeing now is not only just transgender, it's also going to be transhuman. So we're going to then merge with the machine, the, the, um, the, the technology that we have now, the smartphones, the smart tech, it's all going to be embedded into your body eventually. That's where it's headed. So, um, 
yeah, they basically want to make robots out of humans. I know it sounds crazy, and but it, it's, it's not true. crazy. If you read Novel uh, Harari, who wrote um, Sapiens, he he is an absolute acolyte of the World Economic Forum. This is all World Economic Forum think tank stuff. But our leaders go to WEF meetings. Our leaders, Jacinda Ardern, very early on, signed us up to Agenda 2030. This was way before any of us realized how toxic she was for New Zealand, how far she would betray us. But I remember when she announced that thinking, but there was no discussion in the media about Agenda 2030. What is it? What, what's she signing us up to? It was just a brief little news piece. And when you look at Agenda 2030, which is being promulgated by the World Economic Forum, it is dark. It is as if we are just useless, well, they call us useless eaters, all of us. And that means the very wealthy, doesn't it, Hannah? It means from the very wealthy to the very poor, they regard us all as dispensable of no real value. They're just a group of very greedy ones at the very top, the 1% of the 1%, who want to control everything, own everything, have all the money and be able to go wherever they want. And many of them have come to New Zealand. I hear that some Rothschilds have been in the northern part of the South Island just this last week, flying around looking for land to buy. They regard this as a jewel in the South Pacific, which it is, but we are, we are to be got rid of. And this is where, if you doubt what Hannah's saying, look up Novel Harari, but also look up the central bank digital currency, because Hannah, how does that become the tool with which they next try to implement this tyranny, this absolute falling of free society? What, what does that do to human beings? Just explain that for people. Well, again, that is where the technological part of this operation will merge with humanity. And they, they want to get rid of paper money they want to get rid of coins they want everything to be a centralized digital currency uh, and so as you'll know that the banks are currently in free fall they're collapsing the current system um, and they want to set up a, a computer-based system where you'll be tracked and traced it's based on the Chinese model so um, this is again where George Soros and um, so big new Brzezinski come in, and these are, of course, uh, the fathers. When I say fathers, I mean um, they tapped Klaus Schwab on the shoulder, or they groomed him to be the World Economic Forum leader. So you need to, yeah, go back to Klaus Schwab and 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 sorry, um, George Soros and that uh, era of people, because they are the ones that want to push the the Chinese model onto the world, where everybody's tracked and traced through their money. Uh, if you if if you do something wrong that they deem wrong, then you will not be allowed to access your money or they will just take the money out of your account. Um, and essentially, they are moving to microchipping. And again, that sounds crazy, but um, you will be able to, you know, the tech's coming out where you'll be able to go into a supermarket and just take everything off the shelf and literally just walk out uh, because everything will be, digitized you know and um, they'll be able to track exactly what you're what you're spending so people have to realize that this is about like you said a totalitarian system um, it's actually taking away our freedoms and taking away our security and because everyone will be reliant on that uh, the other thing they will be bringing in is a universal basic income so you will be reliant on the state for your basic needs and therefore again if you commit a thought crime 
um, they will be able to control you. So it's, yeah, it's, it's another big part of the control system. And it's happening already in China. So this is not far-fetched. It sounds far-fetched for people who've said, oh, no, they're basically a benign government. They've done a few silly things. It certainly didn't stop the spread of the virus. And certainly Jacinda Ardern, I don't much like her. A lot of people are there now understanding that there was something wrong with Jacinda Ardern. Something's not very good in New Zealand. We're, we're there. But you need to come with us further and realize this is a government that actually is being led and directed by people from overseas who are so evil in their intent for the human race that they want to break us all down and control us and have us live these diminished lives, basically serving them, uh, but having no rights and no freedoms, not even being able to move these 15 minute cities. Who wants to live in that 15 minute radius that I can move in? For God's sake, I'm looking forward to seeing the propaganda selling us that, Hannah. But oh, in the meantime, there's a great piece. There's a um, the project has done a great piece on that, and actually, um, coronavirus plushie chopped it up and and put it, you know, put the truth in there with um, Rosa Corey and everything. So, yeah, maybe you want to play that at the end, or I don't know, put it. We should all just share that video. The 15 minute city is actually about getting people to um, or enabling basically uh, walking and active travel to shops, schools. Uh, and basically places where they want to go. Actually, that sounds quite nice. Never mind. Melbourne, Paris, Bogota, Portland, cities around the world are either trialling or running some form of the 15-minute city. Meanwhile, back home in Hamilton, a 20-minute city proposal is being considered. It is global, but it's implemented locally. It is not called Agenda 21. And that's how when you go, uh, you know, when you're questioning your regional uh, planning commission and they say, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I've never heard of Agenda 21. But the conspiracy theories have also been shipped our way. Cheers, Internet. The problems with the term conspiracy theory, it's a, it's a totally nonsensical term. The way it's used is anything that is suspicious of government insiders conspiring to to subvert democratic processes is considered ludicrous, paranoid. You in your area will only be allowed within that 15-minute zone that you've been allocated. This is George Orwell on steroids. It's a dystopian hell. This is real. It's nonsensical because we know conspiracies happen. The conspiracy theory label lumps everything together, it, from aliens taking over the planet to who uh, assassinated Kennedy. First came the lizard rulers, then 5G shredded our DNA. Now conspiracy theorists are homing in on town planning. And you lump them all together and then take the most ludicrous example and, and equate all other suspicions with that. Uh, that's not reasonable. I do just want to check that the scheme is not a conspiracy by the elite to <laughs> lock people into sort of city-sized prisons. I don't know how many of you know academics, but we're trained to argument and critique. And we, we struggle to agree what tea to have in the tea room. So <laughs> one thing first, we'll sort out the tea room first and then we'll get on with the global socialist utopia. Yeah. <laughs> so this isn't the sort of conspiracy that people like to deride. I do just want to check. When they talk about conspiracy theories of uh, a bunch of men in a smoky, shadowy room making secretive plans, I think this is, again, this is out in the open and it's because the convergence of a lot of different people who hold the same ideology essentially are agreeing on the, the main aspects of the way to better consolidate global control over the economy and thus the people of the world. The newest elite agenda to bulldoze our liberties 
The 15-minute city. How bad could it get? This bad. Agenda 21 Sustainable Development was signed onto by 179 nations, including the United States, in 1992 in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. It enables and justifies monitoring and metering and restricting our energy and water usage through smart meters, instituting a carbon tax on industry, revamping our school system by inserting sustainable development principles from pre-kindergarten all the way to postgraduate school. Started striking for climate strikes when I was 15 and I turned 20 this year. What do we want? declaring our public lands off-limits to humans. Now, some communities may be moved or some communities may not rebuild where they, where they have lived previously. The managed retreat has to be a part of the discussion uh, that we're looking forward to as a part of mm. adapting to our environment as a consequence of climate change. To require high-density housing in city centres in order to more easily control, monitor and surveil us. It sucks that it took a conspiracy theory to like um, look at the city in this way, but great, and so many playgrounds, why wouldn't you want to visit? The project is another example of mainstream media in New Zealand, how they, they just are so smarmy and smug and they laugh at these things and, you know, say, oh, it's another conspiracy theory. And who wouldn't want to live in these wonderful 15-minute cities where everything's in range and, you know, you can just walk down to the shops and it's all, it's, it's like, this is the thing that they're trying to create, this utopia. They are going for it, and it's a false utopia because they're inverting everything. Of course, we all want the beautiful new earth, Liz, the, you know, the beautiful um, fruit trees and the beautiful gardens to nourish our bodies with fresh, unsprayed, untainted uh, produce. You know, and, we, and we want to be living amongst our families and our friends and, and having, having clean water and um, you know, good creative pursuits and a good... Um, contribution to society, a, a good living. You know, we want to feel useful. Um, so they're, they're playing on that, but but they've they've subverted it so that it's based on a technological society. And um, yeah, that's that is that is a very slippery slope, and um, it's not the world that I want to see. That's for sure. The project is tragic. I love coronavirus plushie. Everybody should follow him. Uh, but the project is tragic. I sort of laugh, but it's, it makes me weep as well. I remember hearing a little bit in the ra on the radio in the car of Jesse Mulligan one afternoon, and someone was explaining how uh, in Australia they're starting to say that electric cars cannot be parked under high-rise buildings because they are so dangerous when they um, spontaneously become inflammatory, which they can, those batteries can suddenly burst into flame, especially as these cars get older year by year. We don't know what can happen with all these ghastly electric cars that are being brought in. Um, it's too hard to put that fire out in under about two and a half days. And it's very dangerous for them to be under high rise buildings when it goes into all the air conditioning system, all those toxic fumes. And I heard Jesse Mulligan go, what? They spontaneously combust? What? What? <laughs> I just thought, how can someone be on mainstream media for all those years on supposedly uh, flagship, you know, free across the nation um, public broadcasting station and be so utterly ignorant, like utterly ignorant? He hadn't even looked into the dangers of electric cars. He had no idea. He just follows the government narrative. You can feel it.
Yeah, it's tragic. Well, and that and that's part of the mob mentality. And and so as soon as you kind of start leaving the plantation and you start thinking for yourself, people will make comments or you know, you you will be threatened with your job. And you were kind of suggesting, you know, why would uh, Tim Baker Wilson not not be able to ask the hard questions and same with Jesse Mulligan and one they they have their minds have been so conditioned to think anything outside that postage square consensus is a conspiracy theory uh, and you're basically nuts if you if you go and look at all that stuff and I mean I know that process I, I went through that process myself you know I've I've got um, no way near the kind of mainstream media experience you had but I, I did my training and I you know spent a couple of years um, you know reading and writing the news for BFM and working um, in different productions and different um, yeah on different projects and it's it's just it's this it's almost like these unwritten rules that you don't think like you you only talk and think about certain things and then once you start questioning and once you start thinking outside the box you get shut down and of course as you know you know the editors and the producers and the executive producers all have uh, their say about ultimately what goes out and I think these journalists you know they pick up very early on uh, what they can and cannot say and and they get sent out into the field with the narrative or the angle of their story already um, in place but by, by their um, producers and so I think a lot of these journalists are just that, you know, it's just, it's like the doctors and, and a lot of the medical stuff, they do it for the money. And, um, you know, going back to Leah Panapa, you know, they, they're quickly brought back into line when they realize they're not going to be able to pay the mortgage and who's going to want to pay them after they've been labeled a transphobic, you know, that's, that's how they get them. It's so sad. And, you know, if we weren't here, we are, all of us, all of us who are standing for truth and, and telling the, the truths that are being hidden and being, being stands for freedom in New Zealand, we are the bulwark between utter tyranny in this country now and the freedoms we once had. We are, the, we are it, stopping it. We need more and more to come over, but it's this damn pay packet, the number of people who are willing to sell their souls for a pay packet. And I sometimes fantasize, Hannah, that we take off, you know, we go somewhere, not that there's really anywhere to go to, and, and we turn out the lights. And then you can see that all go, well, where are all those freedom fighters who, where's, you know, where's brave Hannah who used to, and Kelvin who used to tell the, the, the stuff that we're now seeing. I'd, I'd like them to stand up. You know, they'll be saying it one day because this will come for their children and their, their families one day if they don't join us eventually and say no to what's, the, the, the tyranny that is coming at us, don't you think? We are going to have, I've started with this question, I want to now start to close with this, Hannah. How do we get out of this? How do we stop this nightmare that is rolling over New Zealand in these waves of the madness that we saw on Saturday? How do we get out of this? What's your view? Well, <laughs> the first thing is, when you have somebody like Posey Parker come, and you know she's uh, got a good thing to say, or you just believe in her right to say it. Or you, you don't agree with her, or you don't agree with her, but you're curious and open-minded rather than... That's right. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's about free speech. So if you just want to uh, hear what somebody has to say and you, you believe in someone's right to say it, even if you disagree, then if you have a platform, you need to encourage people to get there. So 
it, this is essentially uh, about getting everybody activated. Stop uh, listening to Counterspin. Um, stop, listen, certainly stop listening to mainstream and get active out in the world. So once you once you realize that something's wrong, uh, you need to yes get off your devices basically because these devices essentially they don't care if you're watching truth tellers on your screen because what it means is you're just sitting at home watching something and they just want you at home watching something. So once you feel like you've got enough information, you know, and and you know um, enough knowledge, then you need to put it into action. So what is your talent? And only you will know what that is. Um, maybe you, you have been through the education system and the, you know, your career that you've, you've actually lost what you're passionate about. You've become part of the system to such a degree that you actually believe you're not even creative. Like how many people say, oh, I can't draw. Oh, I can't sing. Oh, I can't do this. No, everybody has some sort of creative talent, some sort of creative gift that is part of the healing, that is part of the solution. Um, look, maybe you're a practical person and you, you love gardening. So you, you're getting out to the garden, you're, you know, and I know it sounds really basic and I know it sounds really probably like you're not making a difference, but look, look at Liz and I, look at all the people that are speaking up, use your voice, um, start your own channel, you know, start speaking because the power of the human voice and the resonance of the human voice, if you are connected to that divine is so, so powerful. And then use your hands, get on the phone to your um, MPs, go and have meetings with your MPs, join a, you know, a, a freedom party that you like, join a freedom movement. Doesn't matter what you do, but do something because Kiwis are so apathetic and we need to break this apathy. And this has been a huge psychological experiment that's going on here in New Zealand. We are the lab rats to the world. And if, if they can break New Zealand, then they have got the blueprint for the rest of the world. And we cannot let them do that. And we are only a team of 5 million. And if we can stop the rollout of this globalist agenda which is the takeover of humanity if we can stop it then there is hope for the rest of the world we are the first ones to see the light so i'm not giving up yet liz i've got a lot of hope i've got a lot of um joy and i think that's what we need to hold on to we've got a world to create for the baby you and kelvin have created and that's you know that's something that really drives me what what will i feel about myself on my deathbed. Will I say, oh, you wimped out, Liz, you know, it all got too much. Or, um, you know, you stayed silent when you saw wrongdoing, or you looked the other way when you saw wrongdoing. I used to, as a child, think when I read Anne Frank's diary and all of those, those histories of World War II, think, how did those other humans not speak up in Germany when they saw the chimneys burning? And how did that happen? That can't happen to a whole nation. Now I understand because I know so many people um, or stories of so many people who've who've come to me with really groundbreaking information, but they go, I can't speak out yet. You know, I'm too scared. You can't, I can't force. I'm not going to abuse the stories they give me. And I need them to be the source of information, the primary source of information. So I can't put it out as hearsay. But until everybody's brave, this country will not be saved. So we need the whistleblowers. That's what I would say. We need the gardeners. Whenever I'm really down after Saturday, I just got out in the garden and just putting your hands in the soil and seeing the miracle of growing your own food and listening to a bird and looking at the sky and thinking we're here for a, for a, 
millisecond in the history of time in this universe. We're here to be the bravest and the best versions of ourselves. And then you come back to something within that divine source that lights up our souls. You come back to that, you breathe and you say, I will, I will stand on my feet for another day, every day. You know, knock down seven times, get up eight. This has been a brutal thing that happened in New Zealand, Hannah, but um, I think we should say a message to Posey Parker. What would you have said had you come face to face with her on Saturday in the midst of that salivating, ghoulish horror of people just wanting, braying virtually for her blood, for her to hurt, for her to be a human being, to be so demeaned, and she didn't even get a chance to speak. What would you have said to her face to face? The, the the thing that I was thinking when I was standing there and I was watching her, I just, and I know this is going to sound really cheesy and really cliche, but I just wanted to tell her that we loved her and we cared about her because it was so horrific what was going on. And I was just thinking to myself, how must she be feeling, you know, watching all of that chaos go on like that? And yeah, I just, I just wanted to say that we understand you, we support you, we love you. We also want to protect our daughters and, and our sisters and our mothers, um, not, even, not even necessarily from trans people as such. It's not about trans, it's about people that are going to misuse and abuse uh, these situations when we, when we take away these safe spaces for, for women and girls that the suffragettes and, you know, the feminists fought for. And then, of course, you know, allowing men into, into female sports. I completely agree with Posey on that. And I, I, that's, that's what I would really want her to know and keep going. You know, she's got four children, um, she's she's been such a shining light uh, around the world in terms of maintaining the dignity of women and maintaining the the specialness of women because that is what the trans movement and 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 to a degree the feminist movement took away from women and that is our ability to nurture our families and to to be caregivers and to to relish that that side of ourselves um, and I think. I think she's she's kind of bringing it back. And I think ultimately I would thank her as well for coming. And I would reassure her that her coming to New Zealand was not a waste of time just because the event didn't go as planned. And I mean, I, I would just apologize to her profusely as well for what happened to her and the fact that she, she was assaulted. Um, and I would encourage her to, you know, keep pressing charges. And if she can, you know, um, go after the media for um, defamation, but but rest assured it wasn't a waste of time because it pulled out the evil from the shadows. The curtain was pulled back. We got to see uh, us, what I still actually believe is a small minority. I mean, they, they looked like the majority on the day, but I would like to say that I think the media scared off a lot of good Kiwis from coming. Um, and I think those deranged, uh, gender-confused, supporters or people they they are still to a degree a minority and I and I and I think um we got to see it and hopefully now we get to reflect on that and there's been a lot of good discussions coming out of it so there is a silver lining Posey you've done us a favor um we've we've got Marama Davidson on the ropes now so it's um 
going to be interesting to see which way you know the government or the the prime minister takes that. But um, yeah, oh, I'm good sure... luck with hoping Chris Hipkins stands up for anything of principle. He can't <laughs> even get off his chuff and do proper work in Hawke's Bay. He's shameful. He's so shameful. He's such a weak prime minister already, and he's only been in there what a couple of months. He won't stand for anything. But real New yeah. Zealanders are, are questioning now and saying. What a shoddy lot there on Saturday. What a shameful, ugly lot of humans. I mean, internally ugly. I don't care what you stand for. You do not treat people like that. You do not treat a visitor to our country like that. You let somebody speak. If you are so immature that you are going to bang pots and pans just to silence a voice, how different are you from any of the oppressors of old that probably in your universities, in between all the mind programming you're getting you learn about these historical oppressors and think how disgusting they were but you were that on saturday you people who wouldn't even let a woman speak what a shameful shameful thing look back at that footage and cry at yourselves it was just awful could we get hannah any of those people into a studio with people like posey and others who are willing to speak bravely as you are as i am about about the world we would like, which is where men are men and women are women. And we're very tolerant of people who might have that small percentage who are born with a crossover. That's fine. Everybody can be who they are. I'm not condemning anybody, but um, I won't sit by and be bullied. But could we actually have any rational discussion with any of the people in that crowd on Saturday? Do you think, Hannah? Could we actually try to find points where our humanity collides, where we have empathy for one another, where we can show manakitanga and respect to each other as human beings sharing this tiny planet? Could we? Well, I I attempted that in the best way that I could at the time with um, Chanel Lal, the you know social media Herald columnist, by the way, um, and oh, no. also and also going to be voted for New Zealander of the Year, I believe. Uh, <laughs> Kiwi Bank. So maybe we should all start boycotting <laughs> Kiwi Bank. No, I um, think I go the other way. Let's make a New Zealander of the year, put him next to Poozie Viles, whatever her name was, <laughs> and and let's give him the knighthood now. So he and Ashley Bloomfield, who's busy in the World Economic World Health Organization, looking at uh, how to roll out the next pandemic and the oppression of that with forced jabs. He's over working for Bill Gates World Health Organization. Um, you know, let's put him next to Bloomfield because they're all so corrupt. What do these titles mean? What does New Zealander of the Year mean? <laughs> yeah, pr pr pretty much <laughs> you can take it to mean now. If you get anything like that, then you're on the globalist side and then we can we can see very clearly that they're on the wrong side of history. But, you know, people can go um, onto our Telegram page and watch that full interview with him. And he is honestly, like you're talking about finding humanity with these people and that's exactly what I was trying to do. And to just say, look, uh, like uh, we don't have to agree um, because he, he couldn't. Apparently now, Liz, you need to be an expert to know what the difference is between a man and a woman and whether, you know, there's a, there's a <laughs> biological strength difference between men and women. I didn't know that. I didn't know I needed to go to study medicine for six years or whatever it is, eight years uh, to be an expert in that. Um but I mean, I laugh, but that was that, that moment again where you have to have that deep laugh to get you through the insanity of this. But because your questions were so good and so on point and calm and, and very logical, 
Well, he couldn't use all his kind of spin language. A friend of ours calls it a word salad, doesn't he? He just says it's yeah. a, big, a big word salad, a big massive of confusing use of language. When that wasn't working because of your logical, calm approach as an interviewer, then he started to question whether you had the, the uh, scientific and medical training to be able to identify what a man was, what a woman. I mean, it was funny on one level. Yeah. Honestly, Hannah, yeah. it was oh. funny. And then yeah. you wanted to hit your head on the table and cry and go, how did we come to this? How? How have humans, some humans, descended to that level of of double speak, of group think, of, of all the Orwellian terms we can think of too, of basically lies and an inability to see through their own wall of lies. We can, but he can't. He really can't. Uh, yeah. It's it's yeah. it's it's very sad and, and that's what a lot of people were reflecting on is that there was a lot of and I don't want to say this because uh I think you know I think we live in a very sick society almost and and if you are um you know <laughs> there's no merit in being well adjusted to a sick society at the moment. So we all know, we all get that feeling of where we feel like we're going a bit crazy sometimes. And it's like, what is going on here? I, yeah, I've just got to bang my head against a brick wall. I'm just not understanding. But then, you know, you the more you go and the more you keep calm and the more you, you know, clarify in your own mind the truth of, of things and, and things get revealed to you. And then you see a mob like this who are actually kind of on the spectrum in some way you know there's a lot of mental illness going on there and um it's just not a pretty sight and there's a lot of confusion and I, I've just started calling them really gender confused because we need to call it what it is it's gender confusion uh they're being put up on a pedestal it's actually goes back to a very ancient religion that's what people have to realize now and I I probably should touch on 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 this as well the other aspect of where this is going because it really is grooming for pedophilia and reducing the age of consent that is a real concern what's going on here um and it's it's not pretty and that's why we need to stand up now and we need to call it out and we need to get this gender ideology education out of the school system because again they are not after our generation um or the generations above us they are after the 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 children, the next generation, who are basically being born with the smartphones in their hands and they'll be hooked up to this AI matrix without a second thought. It's just going to be normalised for them. And, yeah, it, it's basically going to be the end of humanity, essentially, if as we know it. You know, human 2.0 is coming if we don't stand up now and um, and stop this this madness. There was a beautiful quote, Hannah, that I that I read the other day it really was moving it was uh, you know all this pedophilia this horrible pedophilia cult and religion and the cruelty to children and you know there's so much evidence now that they do um abuse children and try to take something from them that will feed their own darkness um and i i've never i've never fully been able to investigate down that rabbit hole because it causes so much pain but we have to acknowledge this amount of evil is in the world and this quote was saying do you know why they go after the children and the answer was because a child a newborn child a tiny young child exploring his or her world the innocence of that child is the closest thing human beings have on earth to God in the human race.
I think animals can be very godlike. A dog can be very godlike in its unconditional love. But in our human race, that is the part of our humans, you know, arrival here on earth that is the purest part, this beautiful, we all look at a baby or if anybody who's still in their heart space looks at a baby and thinks, what will this little life grow into? The purity, the possibility, the potential, how can I nurture and protect this child? And yet we have a society that's saying, no, 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 we won't nurture or protect our children from, you know, gross visual imagery from far too early exposure to sexualization from um, ideas that are deeply corruptible and managed from above and actually managed from offshore. What has happened to our New Zealand values? And this is where I sit outside the court. I think we all really have to come back to the Ten Commandments, you know, really to look at who we are, to come back to something that has a deep moral code. You can call it your own sense of the divine. I call it God, but it's not a religion. It's not anything I'm going to force on you or, you know, make make a man, manipulative thing out of. It's a deeply personal journey back to your own inner sense of your morality that comes from a divine source that operates on on certain principles that we we don't fully understand. But those who do wrong to others, as all those bullies did on Saturday, they will have somehow wrong done it comes back around and and it's not good to put that sort of energy out into the world Hannah that they put out on Saturday that brutalizing of anybody with a sign that had a view that differed from their own I saw this old man I just can't get that image out of my head of him holding a sign with such dignity such quietness maybe in his 70s he was and these ghastly women almost purple in the face and their jowls shaking while they they hurled invective at him and stared at him and prodded him. And the things I said earlier made my heart ache, but that's their darkness they've put out and that darkness they will receive back. I do believe that, Hannah. Yeah, there's honestly, there's so much in there that I could respond to. And um, since you've brought it up, I, yeah, I will, I will really um, reaffirm what you're saying about um, it, it's, it's a spiritual war. It, it, it really is. And when I say spiritual, you know, again, you can take that kind of, like Liz is saying, as a moral code. or It's, it's essentially your inner world or, or the invisible world out in the physical world as well. There are things going on that we can't see with the naked eye. But just because you can't see, it's like dogs. Dogs can hear things that we can't hear. There are things going on, and it is a war for your soul. And the children... The, the the blood of of the children is the is the biggest drug for these people right now they they traumatize these kids and that there's a spiritual quality to the blood that they then consume that's adrenochrome and uh, you can go and look up the Hampstead case there are so many testimonies I don't recommend it but if you are one of those brave people and you and you and you need to know then uh, this to me, to me, this is the uniting issue that will come to light very soon because people can argue about the science of climate change or the science of COVID or, you know, they can go back and forth on all these different or gender or, you know, smart cities, what, whatever kind of divisive ideas are out there, but nobody in their right mind can ever say 
that the abuse of a child, that innocent, beautiful, newborn, very young baby is ever going to be okay. And that is the biggest truth that needs to come out that this is what this blood, uh, this world is run on and we need to stop this and, and unite against this very, very dark underbelly of the world. And, and it's coming. I have no doubt about it. So many people have woken up to this truth in the last, even just in the last two years. So Liz, you know, I, I'm again, I always stay hopeful because my grandmother always used to say, die Hoffnung stirbt zuletzt, which means hope dies last. So you have to have hope. You have to get up in the morning. And I know it's very hard sometimes, trust me. Like I, you know, I want to give up on a regular basis. Calvin wants to give up on a regular basis. Um, Liz, I'm sure you're the same. You know, we just want to throw it all in and go and grow a garden out in the middle of nowhere somewhere or hide under a rock. But knowing what we know, like Liz said earlier, I want to know that when I'm on my deathbed that I gave it my all. And um, sometimes we all need to tap out and take a bit of a break and, you know, do those things that really nourish our own souls. But uh, we're not going anywhere and um, we've got this beautiful baby on the way and I I will finish with this then the biggest revolutionary thing that you could do right now as a woman is find yourself a really good man and make lots of babies as many babies as you can basically that's what we need to do right now we need to have babies and just love our babies and teach them right from wrong and just enjoy life and um yeah, don't ever underestimate the value of being a mother. They're trying to trick you into thinking that being the prime minister is much better or being on the board is much better or having a career is much better. But it's all a have. Even if you're young, you know, if you're in your early 20s, do not delay. Um, <laughs> that's all I can say. Just, just make babies and have a family, create a family and have fun with your kids. That's beautiful. And get them out of the education system. A friend of mine yeah. was there on Saturday and he, and he, he came home and said, um, well, what I learned, Liz, was do not send your kids to university at the moment. Yeah. And yeah. I would say the same to our schools, really much better to homeschool, much better to see if you can get on a bit of land or put, put resources together and buy a bit of land. Or as we are, we're renting a little bit of land. It is so beautiful being in the countryside. It is so beautiful growing a garden. It's also got that sense of growing a family, growing a garden. It's getting back to these real values of our grandmothers. And I, I think you said unite against it, but there was one story I loved about Mother Teresa. This is where I want to finish, Hannah. She was asked to march against the Vietnam War. And she said to the organizers, when you have a march for peace, I will join that one. I will not march against something. So I say we unite for a far more beautiful, cohesive, genuinely loving. That wasn't love on Saturday. That's not tolerance. That's not open-minded. That was the opposite of all that is good about being human on Saturday. But let's unite for what is good about being human, our capacity to love, our capacity to listen to one another, our capacity to delve into and find truths and be intelligent and question and refuse to be programmed. So many of us in New Zealand now have, have realized the attempts of programming and vastly failing to come together, to put our egos aside, to amplify one another's efforts wherever we can. And that's what I've loved with you, Hannah. I think Counterspin has been resolutely generous to everybody 
on the freedom side, you've always amplified the, the efforts of other people who've done good things right from the start. And for that, I hold you in such esteem for that alone, let alone the other reasons. But that has been the marker that should have been for all our media organizations, generosity to one another, backing each other up, being there for each other when we need backing us. You were last week at the Manukau Court, and I want to thank you for that as well. Oh, but we yeah, will birth a saying. much better world. We'll birth a better world if we can put egos aside and find that loving animus to take us forward. And I believe always, the last word for me, Hannah, is love always wins over evil. They, their evil is nothing compared with the power just of the love you already have for that baby that's inside you. They can never touch that. They all want love. And they're going about it by being evil and rotten and cruel and nasty. You don't get love that way. You get love the way you said. Find a good man, make babies, create a better world, yeah. <laughs> create and a garden. <laughs> speaking of that good man, I do um, have to wish my love a very, very happy birthday because it is <laughs> Calvin's birthday today. And he doesn't really like me making a fuss, but... Um, but secretly, you know, he, he likes to be reminded as well that we all care about him. And um, so happy birthday, Calvin. Um, you know, there's so many men out there that are so inspired by uh, what you do. And that's probably my final, final word is that, yep, men stand up. Don't let the, um, don't let the, the negative feminists get you down or, you know, don't let the Marama Davidsons of this world make you feel less than. Um, go and, yeah, if, if there's another event like this Posey Parker one, you know, grab your woman, go and stand next to her and uh, protect everything that you find sacred too because that divine masculinity um, is something that needs to be really held at the centre as well, just like the divine femininity. Um, and, you know, and I really take my hat off to Calvin because he's just given me so much courage and I know he gives so many other people courage and, um, you know, there's, there, yeah, there's nothing more um, attractive, I suppose, or sexy, if you want to call it that, than a man that, um, you know, wants to do the right thing and, and stand in his power, you know, regardless of the, the, the arrows that get thrown and um, they have been relentless, but um, you know, men, we need you as well. And I know Liz, you know, there's been a lot of female voices in the freedom movement, but we need, we need the men to, to keep, keep coming too. I cannot top that except with this happy birthday, Kelvin, on Monday, the 27th of March. Wow, that's really lovely. Yes. And he, the only reason he wasn't there on Saturday by your side was he's had to go out of town, but we'll be back home soon. And I, I love talking to you, Hannah, and I think this level of discussion, um, perhaps we close with this. We have, I have nothing but love for my fellow humans. I do not respect humans who bully, as we saw on Saturday, and are rude and degrading of others. But I have no judgment. If you want to dress up in pink, purple, yellow, green, whatever you want to do, do it. But don't force your views on the rest of us and act with respect when people have other views. But we are not anti-trans. This is not an anti-trans discussion. We're perfectly um, aware that everybody has their own way of wanting to live. But this is a discussion that's based on respect for other human beings. And uh, yeah, I, I think if people try to turn this into anything other than what it has been, um, it will fall on its face because we need these sorts of discussions, Hannah. We need these open discussions where people can put their views. That was at the very heart of Posey's visit to New Zealand, wasn't it? 
Yeah, and, and we will be talking um, to a trans woman, um, you know, in, in tomorrow, and he, she is very unhappy with what she saw on, on Saturday and does not uh, condone this and stands with the woman and wanted to hear what Posey had to say. So, again, you know, such a small representation of even the trans community and, you um, yeah, it's it's we can all like you say have that humanity for each other and just respect each other's decisions, but but really it's about protecting the children and protecting life. And um, I, I I guess the other thing I need to say is this: it's, it's a free speech issue, and we're back in court on the thirtieth. So in three days' time, we are you know for the sixth time I think now going to be appearing in court based on the fact that um, we've allegedly shared a link about an event that, you know, a documentary was made in the UK where we can't have a civil discussion. And we're simply saying, let's have a civil discussion. Let us all be adults. I think, Liz, this is about growing up, being adults, uh, looking at information, being discerning, not needing the government like, um, you know, we've discussed before is, you know, treating us like babies and we can we can handle the truth. We can handle the truth. Absolutely, Hannah, do we need support for you there? Where's the court? What what Uh, court is it You know what now, Liz, we've done is because um, every single time they they put, um, you know, these barricades around the court and, you know, it costs a lot of money for the taxpayers. It's all theatre. It's all theatre to try to, and it must cost thousands to do that. It's ludicrous. And the police presence and the extra security. So at our last court hearing, um, we actually... Um, asked our lawyer to ask the judge if we could just appear by AVL link to just save the taxpayer money. We don't need to be spending money on all this big rigmarole every oh. time we turn up. So, um, yeah, we, we we love everybody's support. and We thank you for all your messages. And, and there's just so many great people out there that, that are behind us, Liz, that are behind you guys, um, you know, with your battle now against the state and um we just need to every time somebody gets picked off by the state we all need to back each other speak yes. out for each other um do not be silent because yes it's counterspin now yes it's free and Z now but tomorrow it's going to be you and if you don't speak now then you will lose that right just like we they're attempting to shut us down but um but they won't we'll keep going how ironic that police presence for nothing, not needed when you guys turn up to court and zero police presence on Saturday, zero, when it really was needed. That is, there's an irony. I, we, we keep saying we'll finish, but this is one thing for the smarmy media who are being sort of patronising about, you know, and saying, wasn't it a triumph? It was not a triumph on Saturday. I need to I need to add this as an addendum to our to our interview. This is from someone called Kitty Catchat. Um, the hashtag Boycott New Zealand was trending at number one in the UK, not just for tourism, but all New Zealand exports. On that basis, Pure New Zealand um, Government NZ, NZ Herald, might not want to underestimate the PR disaster of New Zealand's display of violent, unchecked misogyny, homophobia, and authoritarianism. That was a tweet that has gone viral as well, Hannah. They might be smarmy on the project tonight. Oh, wasn't it a triumph? Oh, weren't they brilliant? Wasn't it great? She didn't talk. But literally, we are, our name is getting to be dirt overseas now. Dirt because of what we did to a woman from the United Kingdom who just wanted to express her views. So that's something 
salutary for, for the New Zealand Herald to think about as they make the man who, who really promoted this sort of violence in the media, that guy, whatever his name is, uh, you mentioned him before, make him a columnist? Really, New Zealand Herald? Is that what you want in your columns? That sort of really divisive material from somebody who did nothing for our country. And I don't even think, I think he's from Fiji, isn't he? He's not even born and raised here. But I think somebody who is going to be a columnist in this supposed uh, respectful newspaper, which nobody respects on, on our side really now because of their lack of objectivity over these last years, surely they have to have better standards than what he showed on Saturday, which was utter joy at the bullying and the derision he helped to promote towards that. Uh, well, I, and I just want to add, yeah, because he was actually up the, after his, you know, his conversation with me and on mainstream media earlier in the week, he was saying, oh, I'm so scared, you know, I'm just scared of all the, the, the violence and, you know, by basically there's neo-Nazis that I think they'd staged a few in the audience, uh, just like they did in Melbourne, by the way. But he, he was then up the front with his loud hailer, uh, dancing away, making all this noise. And it was just the double standards, the irony, the, the hypocrisy. It's yeah. it's just they've, they've, they've turned into the very thing that they say they, they, they profess to stand against. And that's the danger uh, with, you know, these... Uh, virtue signalers and you know and the far left when when they try and tell everybody how bad they are because they don't accept this or they don't accept that or they won't say this or they won't accept that once you start doing that and you start pointing the finger at other people about how bad they are um, it doesn't take long for it to come back and and you end up um, being being that thing so people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones because those people were the violent ones and and the aggressive ones not yep. not posy and her supporters and it could really come back on our products now, selling overseas, being boycotted. So think about that mainstream media. And we leave you with that. Honestly, Hannah, it's so delightful talking to you. We could talk for another hour easily, but we'll, <laughs> totally. we'll save that for another time. Yeah. Look after that baby. Happy birthday, Kelvin. And we'll talk again soon, Hannah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been great.